What's the difference between a lucrative career and a meaningful one or career happiness and a meaningful career? How do real people even pursue meaning in their career? Don't they have bills to pay or realities in other areas of their life? It might cause you to think, are these even possible together? And if so, how do real people actually find these opportunities? This is episode three of a series called How to Find and Create Meaningful Work. And it's a three-part series on how to get more purpose and impact in your career. And that's exactly the question we wanted to try and answer today. This is the Happen to Your Career podcast with Scott Anthony Barlow. We help you stop doing work that doesn't fit you, figure out what does, and make it happen. We help you define the work that's unapologetically you, and then go get it. If you're ready to make a change, keep listening. Here's Scott. Here's Scott. Here's Scott. If you've listened to the previous episode in our Meaningful Work series, then you already know that the average organization isn't on board yet with providing meaningful work, and they don't yet realize just how powerful this can be for the business itself. You also know that study after study has found that more of us than ever before are seeking more meaning and more purpose in our careers and in our lives. So the question becomes how do you find this elusive work that's meaningful? and meets your other needs, like, say, a certain amount of income. With the help of science and some real people who have done a great job finding and creating meaningful work and career happiness, we're actually going to break down the answers for you. Yeah, when I think about what meaningful work means to me is really your activities and what you're doing connects to a larger purpose. That's Steven Tyler. He's a senior manager of development engineering at Philips. And if his voice sounds familiar, it's because you heard him on episode one. And in my case, we're all about healthcare and improving patient lives. And we do it across something we call a continuum of healthcare from birth to when, you know, you might be um, towards the end. And I know that the activities and the things that I do in working with my team has a direct benefit to helping somebody diagnose an issue or to be treated for something. And I gain a lot of pride from that. And I feel like I have a connection to something bigger. Wait, 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 wait. Remember a couple episodes ago? We shared with you that one of the things that creates meaningful work is that you directly see and connect how what you're doing is helping others. This means that the first step is understanding what inspires you, what causes you relate to, what creates meaning for you. Stephen already understands this for himself. So what does he mean when he says having a connection to something bigger? For instance, my brother has a liver condition and in one of the aspects of his treatment to maintain how he's doing is he goes in for periodic ultrasounds. I don't know if it's with a Philips machine or not. I do know that the technology that I'm working with is helping to ensure that his treatment is appropriate and that his medication and his levels are stable so that he can have the best life possible. So that's probably the closest example I have to what I do at Philips and working in the ultrasound R&D group. Well, that's pretty close to home. I can definitely appreciate that. When you think about other aspects of, of meaningful work in terms of, you mentioned that connection to that purpose, are there other things that you think of as you think about meaningful work? I think about it as to, you know, it's on a, I, I would say a variety of levels from a corporate level 
Philips. It's a Dutch company, and it talks a lot about um, how it's working to make the world a better place. And aspects of that include sustainability with where the energy is sourced. So in, in the Netherlands, a lot of the energy comes from wind. At the campus I'm in, in Andover, Mass., we have a solar farm, which provides a, a portion of the electricity consumed at that site. As part of our training and our process and just our culture is really thinking about what's your impact to the world in terms of be it carbon footprint in, in energy we use or when we're recycling materials. We have composting, we have plastic recycling, battery recycling, a lot of things on site that really get you to think about, you know, what is the impact that you have every day on, on the world? And it's part of, you know, in the workplace, it's not what we're there to do, but it's something that's in the forefront. I would say another aspect of it is really kind of connecting to that purpose where if I'm working on a piece of software that helps to enhance something that's going to lead to a better treatment and diagnosis of somebody, I know that that work product is going to affect tens upon hundreds upon thousands of people's lives when that's available to them. So I, I know that there's an always growing impact, I would say, in a positive direction with the things that myself and my team are doing. Okay, so something to remember here is that what causes you to feel like you directly see and connect how you're helping others is different for different people. So what moves you is likely to be slightly different than Steven, and it's likely to be different than myself and the next person, and that's actually okay. But I want you to understand that the first step is understanding this for yourself. Okay, so you can see what those things are that cause Steven to feel like he's having more meaningful work. He's got a great idea of what creates more meaningful work for him. Here's how he actually applied that knowledge when he made his most recent career change to Phillips. I left the enterprise company where usually the software would be installed within the customer site and they would host it themselves into what I'll call e-commerce, where the front of the store, if you will, is, is where you navigate with your web browser to go and buy things and uh, customize things and purchase things. So the nature of the work changed where, you know, the, the viewport the customer has into you is something they can access 24 hours a day, seven days a week, however they like. And you're more concerned with what am I doing on the back end to ensure this thing is available for 24 hours, you know, seven days a week, 365 days a year. And there's a lot of excitement and fun with that. And there's also the kind of the challenge where you're sort of a, need to be available 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 a year as things happen and you need to help to fix them. So I spent about five years doing that sort of work and somebody from Philips had, we'll call it soft recruited me, sent me a LinkedIn message just to say, hey, Steve, you know, I took a look at your background. It looks like it fits this role. Here's what the role looks like. Here's what we could, you know, use some help on. What do you think? And it was very targeted. Like it was different than other recruitment emails where it's just very generic. This was like the person had done some homework based on what they wrote into the first message they sent me. I said, yeah, yeah, I'm interested to hear more. I'd like to hear about that. And that was the start of about of a three-month process, you know, including, you know, phone screens and in-person interviews and, and the like that led to an offer to join Phillips. And during that three-month process, I went to um, 
do my research ahead of the interview. And Phillips was transparent, shared the list of people I was going to talk to. And I looked them up on LinkedIn and said, wow, okay, this person's been here 23 years. That's interesting. That's very out of the ordinary from what I was used to with managing people and having people come and go from my teams and whatnot. It's like, that's pretty amazing. And then it's like, okay, I'll get the next person on the interview list. And it's again, like 25 years. I go, hmm, let me look at the next guy. Yep. Same kind of thing. So I was like, there's more to this story and I hadn't met the people yet. So then I drive to the campus to go for the um, interview and they said, you know, to go to the visitor lot and whatnot. And, you know, I, I get there a little early and I'm walking around just to kind of prepare. And in the parking lot, there are these special set of reserves parking spots close to the front door. And they said quarter century employees. And it's like quarter century. Okay, 25 years. And they were mostly full. And this is about, you know, just in my line of sight at the time, about 20 of them. I go, this is just different. There's something going on here. I don't know what it is, but I got to learn more. And, you know, and then talking with the people, they just talked a lot about the support the company had given them, invested in their career. They felt a sense of purpose. There was a lot of camaraderie and strong relationships. And I said, I really like that. That sounds good to me. So I, I had that comfort level right in the beginning. Even to this day, I'm still, I, I run into people at work, you know, I have somebody on my team who just crossed 31 years of service and it's like 31 years of service. I'm like, wow, I haven't even been in my career for 31 years. It's just like, I, I don't know. It's kind of so out of the ordinary and it's like, well, why is that? What keeps them there? I think it's the sense of, I have a meaningful purpose to what I'm doing. And I don't want to go anywhere else. There's nowhere else I can go to do what I'm doing here that has this impact. And that's like the simple of it. In episode two, I mentioned that we had been talking behind the scenes about many companies that we think here at H2IC do a fantastic job of providing a meaningful work experience for their team, for their employees. And Phillips, who you just heard Steven Tyler from, is absolutely one of those. They gracefully opened the door so that we could talk to many of their employees and their leadership team. And that was very, very cool. And I wanted to introduce you to another one as well. Dave Ramsey's company, Ramsey Solutions, was one of the ones that we talked about behind the scenes too. A while back, I had the privilege of talking with Christy Wright. She's one of the people on Dave's team. She shared a little about her career before meeting Dave and after being on his team and working his way up into the role that she's in now. She started out her career as a very young director for a brand new YMCA. I was hired as a very young director for a brand new center. So I was charged with building a department from the ground up. And that center here in Nashville became the fastest growing center in the country at that time. And so the need was just unending. And I think that's what it is in nonprofit and ministry specifically. And businesses, traditional businesses may have traditional hours and nonprofit, you're never really off. So a lot of times you feel like you're trying to catch a tidal wave with a teacup and it becomes very easy to get overwhelmed, you know, with just the need that's just nonstop. And so it's very easy to burn out and it's very important to have balance and boundaries in order to kind of stay the course in that type of industry. So where did you start realizing then as you were going through that, that, hey, maybe this is not the right thing for me? 
Well, it was a great season and it gave me incredible career experience, all of the skills and, and management and leadership that I, I was thrown in the deep end of leadership. So I was really developed a lot of that kind of very early on in my career that laid the foundation for the things that I get to do today. But about after three years of being in that location, I kind of really just felt it was time to move on and it was time to do something different. And so that's when I really feel like God told me, honestly, that I'm, I'm going to go work for Dave Ramsey. And so I started looking at what he does and, and getting into kind of learning about uh, finances and learning about what positions they had available. And it's very cool to see. It's been an interesting journey. With Dave Ramsey's team, why, why do you say that uh, you felt like God was leading you in that direction? With the nonprofit, I felt like that season was up and I was um, standing on my deck one day. This is a true story. And I thought, you know, I just, I'm never going to find a company I believe in as much as this one. Like, I really love that we change lives and we help people. And however you want to explain it, I heard the voice in my head. I thought, God say, you're going to work for Dave Ramsey. And I'll be honest with you, Scott, I had no idea who Dave Ramsey was. I was like, I need to go Google this guy because I don't know who it is. And then, uh, and kind of that was the beginning of the journey in this direction. Okay. So you get on Dave Ramsey's team. How did that happen in the first place? You go from standing on your deck to the point in time where you're like, okay, I don't know, but this is, this is going to be meaningful. I feel like God's leading me in this, right, this direction over here. How did that actually happen then? Well, I applied for a position doing youth products. So I was the youth product coordinator. And it's interesting because I'd never done products before, but I'd done programs through my nonprofit. I was an aquatic director at the YMCA here in Nashville. And so I was over all types of swim lessons and swim teams and sports and that kind of thing. And so I was able to kind of make a case for myself in the interview process that I've done programs same process for products. It's just tangible goods. That was the position I was hired for. And I started there in the fall of 2009. And so how I got into speaking, which is what a lot of people ask me everywhere that I go, is another crazy story that makes no sense. But Dave's daughter, Rachel Cruz, which many people I'm sure are familiar with, she's a New York Times bestselling author. She was actually in college at the time. And the spring of 2010, there had been an arrangement worked out where she was going to go speak at a conference all summer. And there was going to be 20 different conferences. So she'd be in a different state every single day speaking at these conferences. Somehow during this whole process, I inherited this arrangement. And so about two weeks before she's supposed to go on the road, she's going to graduate in May. And then she's going to go on the road to speak at this conference all summer. We get the travel schedule from the conference company. And they had booked the cheapest flights possible all through Expedia. And they had two and three connections. It was a complete nightmare. You're going to New York, to California, to get to Texas. You're in an airport 16 to 18 hours a day. It was just a disaster. And so her dad, Dave Ramsey, really with a lot of wisdom said, she's not doing this. She's not doing this travel schedule. No one should have to do it, but especially not a new graduate that's just now starting her career. And so I, as the new liaison with this company, got to be the bearer of bad news <laughs> to them that she was not going to be able to come to 20 dates, but he would allow her to come to 10 of those conferences. And so whenever I spoke with the gentleman at the company, I said, I'm so sorry, you know, but she's not going to be able to do 20. She can do 10 of these and can pick whichever 10. And he said, Christy, I've got her slated for 20 keynote presentations to at these different conferences all over the country. What am I going to do for those other 10? And I said, I'll do them. And he said, can you speak? 
I said, I think so. <laughs> so I want you to know that summer we went, you know, on the road and Rachel did 10 events and I did 10 events. And then that fall, they created the speakers group where we identified a real need for message bearers because we were turning down 3000 requests a year for Dave to come speak. And so they wanted to have a new group of speakers and message bearers. And I was slid into that group. No audition, no application, no questions asked. So it's been a very interesting journey to see how it's evolved from there and turned into what is now certainly uh, me right in the sweet spot of my gifts and like that who would have known that you know years ago when I was at the YMCA (laughs) one concept that seems to come up frequently when we talk about meaningful work is having a connection Christy for example as she started working with the Dave Ramsey's organization she started to see the connection between what she did and how she helped people with their finances and businesses Earlier in this episode, we heard Stephen talk about how he intimately felt the connection between what he did and how it helps others, specifically even how it helped his own brother. But here's the opposite side. If you're missing that connection, well, then it often feels like you're missing something else from your life and work. It shows up in different ways. Kasia Wionczak, Supplier Quality Management. I started to work as a researcher at the university. And by coincidence, I was also working on the medical research area of, uh, well, electrical engineering, actually, and software, but for the medical uh, applications. Uh, so that was the start. Somehow, uh, I changed uh, the certain moment from the research to industry. I think maybe I wanted to have some more touchable results. Uh, Research is going often to be published and that's it. And it's not always turning into the products or into the something that is usable. It might end up somewhere in the draw and uh, or a few publications and, and that's it. Uh, I think I'm a practical person, so at a certain moment I thought, well, let's do something practical and not only theoretical. Remember I said if you're missing that connection? Well, not only did Keja feel like she needed something more practical and personal with more tangible results, but she also felt like she was missing personal growth. Now, interestingly enough, that can also tie into meaningful work too, and In this case, the personal growth helps her to make the work more interesting and gives her a deeper understanding of how things connect. Here's Keja again on what that means for her. There are different definitions of growing. For some people, growing means getting higher in the position and higher and having more and more people reporting to them and doing less and less. But for me, it's more that I like to do things and... To make it interesting, it has to evolve. It has to have some new elements, some things I have to learn for to do it correctly. But of course, I can also use my my previous uh, experience because experience in one area can help you to understand better another area. That's not really exclusive uh, if you're working somewhere, you will never use your experience from, from different positions, different areas. So what does all this mean? Well, it means that you must understand what you want and need most. What creates meaning for you? It means that it's not just about meaningful work. Having meaningful work 
but not having other elements that allow you to flourish can take away from the connection you feel and the impact that you're having. It means that you own this and nobody can answer these difficult questions for you, but you. But it also means that once you understand these truths, building a career around what creates much more meaning for you becomes possible. It goes from unrealistic to completely realistic for you. And as you've learned from the past three episodes, that taking the time and energy to create and find much more meaningful work is definitely the harder road. But those that are willing to take charge of their career, well, they believe it's completely worth it. And I think it can be for you too. By the way, if you're unsure where to start in your journey for meaningful work, you can always go to figureitout.co. That's figureitout.co. And Enter your name and your email, and that'll actually get you started in our eight-day Figure It Out mini course to help you determine what you need most to create a meaningful career and fulfilling career. That's figureitout.co. Also, if you know of a company that you believe is doing a fantastic job with creating meaningful work, I'd like to know about them. You can email me directly, scott at happentoyourcareer.com, and then I'll make sure myself and my team know about them because right now they are few and far between in this world. And we want to make sure that that word gets out. Thanks so much for listening to our three-part series called How to Find and Create Meaningful Work and How to Get More Purpose and Impact in Your Career. If you know of somebody who needs this, I want you to share it with them. Take time right now. We can have so many more organizations and people moving towards meaningful, fulfilling work that allows you to flourish in your life just by sharing this right now. Share this episode, share the podcast, send it to them, and let's get everyone on your way to much more meaningful career. All right. We'll see you next time right here on Happen to Your Career. And tell them I am out. Adios.